Okay, uh, let's do soccer. Let me just make sure I know what I'm talking about here. Hang on. Hello, welcome to Hattrick. I am Jordan Dollar coltman I am joined by Braden Dollar coltman and Elliot Tanti. We are back after another great week and an exciting week if you are a hockey fan as the NHL is back up and running. We will get to that in our third topic. We've got lots to talk about how the season's got underway and just sort of our initial feelings about all that. Maybe we'll get into a little bit of fantasy talk too. But uh, we're going to start off with a couple other topics from around the sporting world. Um, but before we do that, quickly, um, Elliot and Braden. Have both mm. of you voted? There's a civic election going on in Edmonton. Have you done your voting yet, or are you going to go vote tomorrow? Or today? It's vote. Monday. Tomorrow. Well, yeah, today. Today. When it's, yeah. The no, deadline. I, I've gotten into this really good habit of advanced voting. I think it's the best way to do it. The lines are shorter. It's way more relaxed. You can kind of go on your time. It takes a lot of pressure off the day of. And so, yes, I have voted. And um, let's just pray that Mike Nichol is not our next mayor. <laughs> oh well no maybe maybe but when you're listening to this on tuesday morning or wednesday morning or if you if you're a late comer to the episode you'll be aware of my episode. mood <laughs> that's right <laughs> but at the time of recording optimism still reigns all right here we go here's topic one all right topic one um we have a, a, a new champion has been crowned in the sporting world and we wanted to spend a, a couple minutes talking about the end of the wnba season uh for 2021 and you know, we spent a few different topics throughout the time we've been doing this show talking about women's sports. We spent a lot of time talking about women's hockey because there's been a lot of, you know, ups and downs and sort of a roller coaster of ride for, for Canadian women's hockey and, and all of that. But the one constant in women's sport in North America for the last almost decade now has been the WNBA and how successful a brand and how successful a league it has become. It is so well established. It's got a great partnership and relationship with the NBA and obviously the juggernaut of a business stru structure that they have. Um, and that's, what's really awesome about it. But the, uh, the WNBA season is over the Chicago sky uh, defeating the Phoenix Mercury uh, three to one in their championship series. Uh, just a great, you know, great storyline. Candace Parker, who'd returned home to Chicago to bring a championship to her, to her hometown team, wins it, you know, um, fun to see, you know, a lot of great players. Uh, women's basketball is so exciting because you've got these unbelievably talented athletes who who shoot and they pl they play just this very exciting version of basketball from someone who's a very casual basketball fan myself i i know when i do catch some of the, the game and i watched a few a few of the playoff games when they were on i enjoyed it i think it's great um brayden you have a basketball podcast obviously i'm sure you'll talk a little bit about this on one of your upcoming episodes but what were what are your thoughts as this season wraps down and, and any sort of takeaways from the wnba championship I think the big thing for me is just the you're starting to see um, personas come through. You're starting to see characters and, and players that have the same kind of um, uh, draw that a lot of the NBA players do. And you're also seeing those NBA players out supporting um, the, the WNBA players. And it's just really great to see. It's, it's creating more of a culture, more of a community, more of a um, um, just spotlight on, on this league. You know, I, I don't remember watching much WNBA before this year or even the year before. And so uh, the more that it's accessible, the more it's we're, we're going to get an opportunity to see these players and uh, the storylines progress. It, it's awesome. I think it's great. It's so great to be able to have much more basketball than just the NBA and, and quality, like the, 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 the playmaking is like, it's, it's next to none. It's really, really great basketball. 
Elliot, thoughts on it? I think Braden said a really important word there that's really resonated with me throughout the last year, which is accessible. It's accessible. You can find it on your television screen. You can you can watch the games. You can you can invest time and energy into the league now. Um, you know that the only way in which we're going to grow women's sports uh, is if it's accessible for people to see outside of the Olympics <laughs> once every four years. Um, and so, you know, what, what's really clearly happened here is that the backing of the ND, NBA, um, they've leveraged their assets and their resources to make sure that the games are on television accessible to fans and people can watch them. And I think that that's, that's ultimately what it comes down to. You cannot grow a game unless people can watch it easily and regularly and not on cable television. Um, and these playoffs were, and there were advertisements about them. And uh, during other sporting events, and 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 that's how I knew what was going on, and where the series were at, and where they were. Um, so you know, when we're talking about a blueprint for setting up a successful women's league, it has to start there. It needs to be accessible. Yeah, and I think both of you also touched on what I think is the key piece, and we've brought this up before, especially when we've talked about hockey and how critical it would be if the NHL stepped in and and and, and was more active. The NBA has been such a, a valuable partner, but not only the league itself, I think, but also the investment of a little bit of the energy of the actual players in the NBA. So the, you know, the, 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 it's, it's great to have words. It's great to have sort of the, the structural support, but it's even more important when the platform that is already given to NBA players, to their, to their, their social media and to their marketing sort of apparatus that has made them as uh, visible as, as they are is then turned and they allow some of that spotlight to illuminate the women's game as much as they have. The, the great example I have from this playoffs, which I thought was just such a wonderful story. was how the Lakers, the LA Lakers and the Suns, the Phoenix Suns were scheduled to play a preseason game. And because of scheduling with the uh, semifinal game for the, the Phoenix Mercury, they ended up having a conflict where the two of their, their games were technically scheduled at the same time. And I'm, I'm sure in times past, the NBA would have had precedent because it's a bigger ticketed event. It would have cost them more money to move the thing, the schedule, all of these things. But both teams, without even missing a beat, agreed to play their game uh, earlier in the day. They just they moved the scheduled start of it. it became went from a 7 p.m. start to, to a matinee. And it was like it wasn't even a, a second thought. There wasn't this, you know, there was no controversy. There was absolutely nothing. They just moved it. And the even cooler part about it, from my perspective, and yeah, it was a preseason game. Maybe it was if we were later in the season, we'd have a different conversation about the team. TV rights. But regardless, the cool thing for me is I watched the highlights of that Lakers Suns game and they were playing on the Mercury's court, right? Because the Mercury's court had been laid because they had the primetime spot. And so they got this whole NBA preseason game promoting the game that was following it just by the very nature of people tuning in and going, why does it say Phoenix Mercury? If I don't yeah, know what awesome. that is now, I'm interested in it. And I think that was so cool. And I, I, you could also tell in the postgame conversations with some of those women players how much it had meant to them and how they acknowledged that this was action not just words and i think that's the big thing that the nba has really really moved forward doing and that's what's awesome i think this game would have uh, or this series would have gone to seven if key nurse wasn't injured yeah that's a big storyline too isn't it and so she tore her acl i think or sprained it really bad or something uh i think in the semis or even quarters yeah but uh this yeah this both of these teams it, there was some really great talent diana tarasi the the white mamba coined by uh kobe and candace parker who's just already a legend yeah really yeah, awesome 
It's crazy how the sky was like literally 500 throughout the season and found a way to win it. It's a good story. Absolutely. All right. Well, we'll, we'll pick up back on, on more of this conversation when, when, when their season gets back underway and when we get to some more women's hockey, but for the time being, congratulations to the Chicago sky, the first champions of, uh, of this part of the, the, the year. And we'll, uh, we'll see what happens moving forward. We'll leave it there. Hey, guess what? The Ordinary Podcasting Network has a brand new show. If you're a fan of Hattrick Sports, then I promise you, you are going to enjoy the Backyard Basketball Podcast. Braden Della Coldman, who is one of the hosts of this show here, Hattrick, hosts an amazing basketball show with one of his best friends, Christian Steck. Together, the two of them will break down the NBA, news from around the basketball world, and get you caught up on everything you need to know. It's fun. It's fast. They have great conversation and banter. They love basketball, and you will love the Backyard Basketball Podcast. Subscribe anywhere you get your podcasts, and you can also follow them on Instagram at backyardbasketball underscore podcast. Okay, we're going to talk about another sport we don't talk a lot about on this show, but we uh, we do when things come up, and this is a, a big come up. This is a huge story for Canada. The men's national team football, soccer, uh, qualifying for the uh, the World Cup, they are in the the, the Concacaf um, World Cup qualifying tournament. They're in the third round of it. Uh, a chance for Canada to make the World Cup for I th- think the first time in like sixty years or something, and the first time seriously to have an opportunity to be there and to at least to at least make the big show. Um, uh, and it's a it's a Christmas tournament, is it not, Elliot? It's it, the, the next one's in winter because it's in in Qatar. Or because FIFA is corrupt, yeah. yeah yes, yeah, 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 right. Okay, well, we, the, we, maybe we'll get to that in a second. But just, just on the Canada part of it, which is so awesome. So Canada is in the third round. The remaining teams they're competing against right at the top of the table is Mexico, the United States, Panama. And then there's Costa Rica, Jamaica, El Salvador, and Honduras. All, you know, good soccer countries, countries that, that Canada has struggled in many different points in their history to compete against. But this year they are doing a great job because they have some amazing young talent. And I'm sure everybody out there at some point whether it was on social media or on the TSN highlight reel or on sports center or whatever, saw the amazing play by uh, Canada's Alfonso Davies um, international playing in Bayern Munich and just an unbelievable, unbelievably fast player. He came all the way up from about, I think 90 yards back or something, 80 yards, picked the ball up off of the touchline, took it in and single-handedly moved around the defender and buried the goal to take the two, to one lead that they ended up extending to a four to one lead to beat uh, Panama. Is that right? That's who they were playing at the time. Anyway, yes. from, beat, to beat Panama, to take over third place as we move forward in this tournament. I know Elliot is very excited to get to this. So we will, we, we'll, we'll let him have the first word on this. How exciting is it to see Canada competing and really for the first time in a very long time, uh, sniffing an opportunity to get into the, uh, the world cup. Oh, this is so exciting. I think it's great for Canadian soccer. I think it's great for our country. Uh, it shows that, uh, you know, there's been a lot of effort and hard work and, 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 and time put into Canadian soccer across this country. It really started with the emergence of Christine Sinclair and that, that U18 tournament that was really successful here in Edmonton. What was it? 10, 12, 15 years ago. Uh, and this is the culmination of that. Of Elliot, I think it was longer than that, buddy. Well, whatever. 20 <laughs> years felt, ago? Yeah, 20 years ago, maybe. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, but really, this is the culmination of a lot of effort and time and energy put into building meaningful soccer culture and community in this country. And, um, you know, the teams, 
the team's bolstered by Alfonso Davies. Like he is the star. He's a star in, in his own right in European soccer. Um, you know, he's largely described as one of the best, if not one of the best, the best winger in soccer right now. And, uh, and playing for one of the, you know, the, the biggest teams in, in the world in Bayern Munich. And so, yeah, that's kind of star power automatically elevates your game. But, but, you know, we've had good soccer players in from Canada in the past. There's an infrastructure there in terms of soccer Canada that I think is really exciting. And, uh, and what you're seeing is, is, is the culmination of all that work and in a really meaningful chance to, to make the world cup and man, if the, at the end of this year, you could say that the Canadian women's national team had won an Olympic gold and the Canadian men's team had made the, had qualified for the world cup. I mean, I can't think of a better year uh, in Canadian soccer history up until this point. And they are very, very close. That win over Panama is, is a difference maker and means a lot in this, in this chase here. Oh yeah. yeah that was still- a beat down. Yeah, they still have to move through the entire table one more time. Uh, when I look at the schedule, they'll play everybody again, but they are currently sitting third and in a great position to move forward. Brayden, undefeated, uh, undefeated, baby. Un- yeah, yeah. And, and, and Brayden, I know you watched that game. You were, you were very excited to watch that game, but what are your thoughts on this whole, uh, this whole drama unfolding? Yeah, jumping off what Elliot's saying there, just the infrastructure. I, have we ever seen this kind of star power on this team? And like Jonathan David, Alfonso Davies, Jonathan Sorio, the list goes down and they're all what, 20? The, yeah. the average age is 20, 21, 22. Yeah. Like we're going to see these guys continue uh, their development and it's only just started, which is, I think, what's so exciting. Um, I, I think back to the Raptors, it's like the minute you start to get and you find that success and you have the kind of star power that it takes to get to the next level, uh, the amount of viewership, it goes up, the amount of accessibility, kids wanting to play soccer, kids wanting to be like Alfonso Davies, that's only going to help uh, that, that entire infrastructure grow, um, not, not just on the field, but also off the field. The thing that I, I was also reminded too is uh, you, you were saying with the women's team, I, John, John Herdman, the coach or the manager, he was a huge part of the, the last, uh, you know, years with Christine Sinclair and that whole team and to be able to continue that success and find that with the men's team, I think is really, really great. Yeah. He had taken over for the Canadian women team in 2011, got them to London, took them to Rio, and then he ended up moving on for the men's team in 2018. But he really did build that program of success that was able to, to get the women over the edge. And, and they, you know, they, they fell short a couple of times under his leadership, but once they, you know, the, the, the infrastructure had been built there in many ways uh, to get them where they got to um, this past summer in, in, in uh, Tokyo. But as you, you know, you, you talk about Alfonso Davies, just like what an amazing story too, right? This is a, a young man who was literally born in a refugee camp in Ghana to Liberian parents, refugees from the second Liberian civil war, immigrated to Canada, ended up in, you know, Edmonton, Edmonton of all places, baby. the furthest place you could be from Ghana. Uh, and somehow in Edmonton uh, survives not only the cold winters, but also all of the temptations of hockey to stick to a sport. He has clearly been put on this earth to play unbelievably talented young man, and then ends up getting an opportunity to come play with Vancouver out here in the MLS catches the eye of, of Bayern Munich. And now he's an international superstar. And I mean, just on, on, a, a rocket ship trajectory uh, yeah. moving forward. The only, the only little 
asterisk that has to go on this story because it literally broke about six hours ago is he did leave a game today in Bayern Munich with what apparently looks like a, 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 a torn or pulled hamstring. So hopefully okay. he okay. can recover from that because it's clearly his legs are the, are, you know, are, are his uh, mm-hmm. greatest asset uh, and hopefully he'll be okay soon. But, but um, again, what an unbelievable story to continue to watch. And, you know, I believe it's, it's, we're only, you know, we're, what was it? Every four years, the world cup is Elliot. If, if you correct me, correct. I think it's every four years on yeah. off Olympic years. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I believe if I'm not, wrong um that it's ghana or pardon me that it's qatar and then following that it's is it not coming to north america after that so there's yeah it's split between us and the uh and in the, the next and i think in like the next on. eight years this team if it can get over the you know that hill and become a competing team they could be one of the host countries here with canada and mexico and what an amazing story that would be if canada could be in that tournament as well i think they may even get an automatic birth they get automatic yeah they'll be automatically entered so they'll definitely be playing but regardless to actually qualify to this tournament ahead of time and have this that be their second back-to-back world cup and and just the development that would offer those players i mean you know what a great what a great story you know so, there's no so illusions I gotta, of grandeur here. not winning the world here, cup but i need to ask a question about the yeah. um um the the decisions to play this sport in the winter um so i had texted elliot going you know so what's next well where do they go now this apparently this tournament continues for another month, two months, three months. Oh, I th- it'll go. No. So they, so they, they have eight games left. They haven't even played half of their games yet. They played yeah, six finishes games in March, 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 in March, 30th of March is the last. So there's still day. two. So, yeah. So they play in Edmonton next. Yeah. They play November 6th, eight through 16th. There's three, there's two games at that time. They'll outside. Play Correct. They'll play three Guys. games in January into February and then three games again in March. Has this so, ever happened? Has this ever happened? Has soccer ever been played in snow before? Because yes. it will happen. Yes. No, no, yes. They okay, have. So I, I here's think only a couple of years ago, there was a World Cup qualifying. The Americans oh had to play against some, no. whether it was J- Jamaica or Costa Rica, one of the Caribbean countries had to come up and play in like Denver, Colorado in November. Guys, and it was ridiculous. This doesn't make any sense to me. This is like a, a, a mid, mid-tournament. Okay, like the NHL playoffs, they're like, yeah, let's play this outside in Anaheim. Yeah, no, this is this it's is like the this, ice supposedly, is melting. Supposedly, this is there's intention around this. It's strategic. They're playing Costa Rica and they're playing Mexico, and they believe that their players will be advantaged in in colder weather next to right, to those teams. Kids and in Mexico. Canada play soccer in the winter. That's not <clears throat> that doesn't happen. <laughs> I don't know. I I I, I played some pretty cold. Uh, how how does it go? How does it go? Well, I'm not, gonna, I'm not. I'm not going to say the quality is going to be there, but if there's any advantage, we need every advantage that we get, and I want to set them all in Edmonton. Not, never mind. Um, and and you know, it, it would be interesting to see. It's a seventy thousand person um, arena. Who knows where we're at with COVID at this point? But you know, it's potentially. I'm very interested to see how many people show up to this game. Like, I think it's going to be a big oh, deal yeah. to come and see this team play, especially. Uh, and you know if Alfonso Davies is is, is healthy and is playing like it's a big deal. yeah playing it's, in his snowsuit <laughs> yeah <laughs> I don't get it I don't get this it doesn't make any sense to me this well, schedule when the, when when Canada comes away with two victories then uh, then <laughs> we it will have paid up they yeah, they'll play. They play Mexico on November sixteenth, and they play pa- Costa Rica on oh, November twelfth, and then they don't play again till January thirtieth when they play the Americans, and then they play again March twenty seventh against Jamaica. So they have to oh play. Oh gosh, 
four it's more times. No, there's 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 a couple more. There's there's a Honduran game in there. There's a game with El Salvador in February. There's three games in March: the 24th, 27th, and 4th. Yeah. Oh, interesting. I feel okay. bad. I looking at, I'm looking at a game. schedule here, but <laughs> those I'm those at it yeah. Wrong. yeah yeah yeah. Oh yeah, you're right. March 30th here against Panama. Costa Rica on the 24th of March as well. Okay, cool. What an awesome tournament this will be um, and continue to be. We will leave it here for now and we will pick this up again in snowy November. The Ordinary Podcasting Network is excited to announce that we have launched a merch store on our website. The store is full of ordinary swag, including t-shirts, hoodies, and hats. You can pick out something awesome and support your favorite podcast today by heading over to ordinarypodcasts.com. All right. We're going to talk about the NHL. It is back. We talked a lot last week about uh, our expectations, our excitement, and some bold predictions. This week, though, we've now actually seen some hockey being played. Every team uh, has had a game played uh, in the entire league now. Calgary has only played once. Uh, I think the Bruins have only played once. A few teams have only got one in, but most teams have got two. Some teams have even played three times. Toronto and, and Ottawa are already three games into their season. So lots of hockey left to be played in the coming weeks. But boy, oh boy, has it been fun to see a few games this week. The Edmonton Oilers are first in the Pacific Division, followed very closely by the Seattle Kraken, uh, number two, and the Vancouver Canucks, number three. Uh, but you didn't see that coming, uh, Braden. Uh, thoughts early I season did, NHL. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, yeah, I didn't see the Canucks. I, I mean, I was surprised. I guess that's the first thing I want to say. I'm surprised by this Vancouver Canucks team. They they played a very crisp game the first night. Um, I do think it's gonna it's going to continue. I don't know what's going to happen with their lineups when Besser's back because Hoaglander is going to be a very special player. Um, and I think I think. I think they're going to be really hot in fantasy. I think that's what you guys were talking about as well with Devin is that the, the players on Vancouver's team are going to put up points. Uh, they might not win every game, but uh, it's going to be, a, that's going to be a really uh, surprising team. Pacific's got a lot of firepower this year. Uh, I think we're going to see that come, come through. Uh, the Oilers are undefeated. Oh boy. Uh, two Oh, Oh, they've got uh, only four goals against. I think that's a, that's uh, something that we can all be a little bit happy about starting the year off with the uh, four goals against Elliot. Uh, I'm obviously being very silly here because it's very early to really get a good sense of anything. But um, from what you've watched, and I know you've been probably following uh, a lot of players you don't usually follow because you're playing fantasy hockey for the first time. Uh, early, early feelings about the NHL season. Uh, well, it's very good to see that the Oilers are on 82 and 0 pace for the season. <laughs> yeah. um, Connor McDavid is on a 205 point pace yeah. as of right now. Um, well, what's Pooley's pace right now? Yeah, too, right? one of those things might actually happen. <laughs> uh, you know, if he's stuck at a 2.5 points per game average, that would be pretty insane. Um, no, you know, I think that there's tons of excitement around the league. I think the I for one, I don't know about you guys, but I watched the first ever Kraken game. Mm-hmm. Um, and really enjoyed uh, and what looked like it was going to be a real stinker. They fell down three, nothing to start the game. Uh, and then they made a game of it. And then, you know, what was really infuriating was just sort of like a, a kicking motion. I thought that wasn't called as a kicking motion. I did too. Loss. I thought it was a kick for sure. Yeah. 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 I think, I think it was cause it was on the outside of the skate. All of a sudden that you can't do a kicking motion. I don't know. Mm. I think Alfonso Davey might have something to say about that, but I, honestly, like I, I, I think there's been tons of an excitement and it's lived up to the hype. The Oilers are good. They seem to be good. We're starting to get that sort of uh, the, you know, it seems like a, a well-rounded team. Um, and 
you dry settle and McDavid playing together, but Hyman and Nuge and uh, Yamamoto having some success and building some consistency into the game. Hyman getting a goal on the first game was really good. Tic tac toe. Yeah, it's beautiful. So lots of you know a lot of the bets seem to be paying. Duncan Keith is 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 not nearly as bad as 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 I thought he would might look. Um, How we'll awesome is the rest of the depth on the bottom line? Like to see Derek Ryan getting there, Fogel yeah, get on the score sheet. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, lot, there's lots of you know Cassian probably playing an appropriate role. I mean, I think lots of that is really what really fun. <laughs> like bumping, bumping around, bumping trying around, to find Kachuk. And, and the Calgary game on bows. Saturday was so full of just like animosity and anger, and and it, you can tell like the 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 fans being back in the arena are making a difference. a difference, and, and it really yeah. and it really that's so that's all great on the fantasy front. I mean, I'm really enjoying it. I I don't really love cheering against Oilers when I'm, they're on the team <laughs> that I'm against. That's, that's the hardest thing I'm, I'm kind of struggling with right now with regards to it. But, um, you know, it's given me another perspective to look at the game and, and, and that's really good. So yeah, like I'm really thrilled about this first week. It's been, it's been really exciting since Wednesday. How's your league going there, Jordan? I, I know you, you swung for the fences Sunday uh, on a Sunday, trying to get some points down 30. I, I'm wondering how that went for you. Not well. Yeah, <laughs> I, I had to try. I actually it was more Friday. That, How did you think you were going to get it? Week. I didn't think I was going to get it. I had to try. Gotta I don't concede. know. Guy might score five goals. Look, if Good. anyone had Anze Kopitar early, uh, I mean, my goodness, what a Stamkos. fiery start! But like the thing is, it's one of those. It's one of those weeks where, like, first off, it was only four or five days, right? Like, it started Wednesday. Right. So, it's already a shortened week. So, if you're unlucky enough, like I said, that if you had Calgary Flames or you had Sharks or something, they played one game. Like, there's not enough hockey there. Even the Oilers, it's two games. So, for me, with McDavid or, or even a couple other guys on that roster, you're not getting what you'd be getting out of them in a four-game week. Do you know what I mean? So, it's a, it was a weird week, depending on who you had. And, obviously, really early to be able to do anything with the waiver wire or anything. Even a shortened week that makes that hard so yeah i played a little bit of the like you know late week roster shuffle game you know a couple guys in just so that i had man games being played it, it got me closer than i think i would have but no i didn't really stand a chance this week but it's fun i mean yeah my other league i'm in two leagues in the second league i mean i you know i was in control of the whole week so i just got to sit back and see what the roster i drafted re- was really made of and that's a little more fun um i will say for for elliot who's i think still starting out and, and doing, you know, uh, pretty well, you were pretty close to winning your first week there. The, the thing with it is that I found is it's like, it, there's such an advantage if you play multiple leagues or if you're just sort of more um, engaged on, on different parts of it, because you can start to utilize the research you're getting from two different teams. I can't imagine guys mm-hmm. who are like trying to shuffle five different teams and trying to keep track of who's where, but I know there are guys that do that. I think also playing daily fantasy would make a big difference because you're really on top of it. I know Braden's a lot more like, on the websites tracking lineups and all those kind of things than even I am. But um, Hey, I mean, it makes it fun, right? I was saying my wife's on in our league and she's having a lot of fun in the first couple of weeks, checking in every day on her team. And it's like, you, you feel more engaged in the league. If you're a casual fan, I think mm-hmm. than you do. Otherwise I'm sure this is the same thing for you, Elliot, when you play, fantasy football is it's like you just have a better sense of what the league looks like because you're watching the results of games you otherwise would never have cared about and so it also i think enhances your enjoyment as a fan of your team because you kind of know when you go up against when your team goes up against a team you're not used to seeing you kind of have a sense of where they've been all year because you might have a guy who plays there or you were beat by a guy who had players on that team so that's kind of how i feel you know, the other thing too, and this is, this is what happened in my experience in fantasy football as well, too, is I generally only ever watched Oilers games. 
And I watched three games that didn't involve the Oilers this weekend. <laughs> and sort yeah. of like, not like aggressively going or making a yeah. plan around it, but this is on, hey, I'm watching this. I got a guy in this or my opponent Somebody has a guy in for. this or, you know, something's kind of going on there. Today. So, yeah, th- th- you know, it, 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 I think it'll make me a better fan and more engaged. Um, and we'll see, you know, we'll see how it goes. The one thing that is challenging for me is like sort of the daily upkeep. I'm a little bit concerned yeah, yeah. about, but it's actually kind of easy if you set your week in advance. It's not that bad. <laughs> So well, that's, and the, that's the one thing I find the apps, uh, specifically Yahoo's made it really great for, uh, kind of tracking data. So they'll, they'll, they'll offer suggestions. They'll do like the comparison stuff is really great. You can, you can kind of match up different statistics. You can do different kinds of checking in on projected stats compared to, you know, total to date stats, which also helps trying to figure out the nice thing too, is because everybody else is using the app or the, uh, the, fantasy app you can kind of see uh, a consensus around who's picking who when like that you know how many people are are taking this guy how many people own this guy already and how many people are starting this guy so you can kind of get a sense from from other people in the leagues um yeah you kind of get the aggregate research guys going like yeah like the group think is 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 already built in for sure exactly Okay, so obviously we're we're way too early for predictions, but how do we feel uh, just in you know in, internally as Oilers fans about uh, what we've seen in the first two games? We're, we're optimistic. Are we cautiously optimistic? Are we a little bit over excited at this point? Are we having some some uh, you know uh, illusions of grandeur, or are we seeing really really what we're seeing, Elliot? How do you feel early? I know last year I should just preface this. I know last year you felt we as a team may have slightly overachieved or had players who overachieved Mike Smith specifically, you said. Yeah. So as you've now seen Mike Smith back to back here to start the season and also, I mean, I was facing what, like 45 shots yesterday. Also just how the team's playing initial feelings. You know, it seems like the team is, you know, this is is playing to the norm and kind of what we expected. I, I think we're probably seeing a better Mike Smith than actually is as a goalie. Um, but, and so that some regression may come this year, but, um, you know, no, I felt really, what I felt really good about was just the consistency up and down the lineup. It didn't feel like there was the severe drop-ups that drop-offs in, in the lineup that we've seen in years previous. Uh, and that's a testament to Holland and, and, and having a strategy and, and around, you know, building up the bottom six and building up our, our second lines and executing it. And so early days, it's early, cautiously optimistic that this is a much more thorough lineup. And a, a, a team that's uh, not just going to compete, but largely expect to win most games going in, um, particularly against their divisional rivals. Right, yeah. almost out of time. Well, how do you feel about the season so far? Uh, amazing. I like the, the the big thing I want to mention here is when Yassi Polio Polio Harvey jumps out of the penalty box with his large tongue stuffed up his right nostril gets mm-hmm. into the play and scores goals. Um, how can you not be excited for the, for this season? I think, like I said, earlier in the podcast, um, the depth is something we haven't seen on this team. Uh, the scoring depth uh, pressure is not on McDavid and Draskato to do everything, although they are going to do everything. So uh, I'm, ex- I'm extremely optimistic about this year. Yeah, I did. Yeah. I did have a joke that when Connor McDavid oh, scored, scored with a one timer, that's what secondary scoring meant on this. <laughs> that's nice. Well, and obviously, Drysaddle was giving a good ribbing because he had been joking about how he still thought his one timer was pretty fluffy. Uh, it looked pretty good to me last night. Oh yeah, but 
we're also now undefeated as the Edmonton Oilers with Connor McDavid's grandmother in the building. So if they're not giving her season tickets, then somebody's not doing their job. We will leave it here for this week to everybody listening out there. Thank you so much. A quick plug for the Backyard Basketball Podcast, which has three episodes this week. So special getting into the NBA season, which is about to kick off. They have their regular scheduled programming on Wednesday, but Monday and Tuesday. So it's already out if you're a Monday fan. Yeah, we're going to do some over-unders. So that's what, exactly. That's what we're yeah. do. So Western got, Conference Monday right. and Eastern Conference. Uh, I think that's how it goes. Well, one or the other yeah one conference on monday one conference on tuesday so it'll set you up i know elliot's excited he's going to be playing nba fantasy this year too. he's <laughs> playing golf fantasy i believe he's even in on darts fantasy which i think is a real thing yeah my and... snooker it's the snooker okay that's <laughs> oh, yeah we know you play snooker but i thought you were in on all bar sports <laughs> all bar related drinking sports if you can drink yeah it's a multi it's a multi-sport uh, team uh, league we have keepers and stuff and uh, a lot of talent coming out of the south of wales right now with the hey, there you go. So, absolutely and Braden, there's I know fantasy you're... for everything you know there's fantasy for rupaul there's leagues fantasy leagues for anything well there you go uh all your fantasy needs i'm sure can be taken care of somewhere else we, we we're gonna <laughs> try to do a little bit less fantasy on this show than we did today but hey it was fun it's exciting it keeps us all engaged and uh that's hat trick Patrick is a member of the Ordinary Podcasting Network. It's produced every week by Jordan Dyler Coltman and Braden Dyler Coltman. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Thanks for listening. Trying to get an Alfonso Davies kit is it's like 150 bucks. Yeah. Do you get a hometown discount? You, you'd think. I actually looked. It's more, it's less expensive to buy the Bayern Munich. Just have it shipped mm-hmm. from Germany. Mm-hmm. Oh. The Ordinary Podcasting Network wishes to acknowledge that the lands on which our conversations take place include Treaty 6 territory, the traditional meeting ground and home for many indigenous peoples, including the Cree, Dene, Soto, Blackfoot, Métis, and the Nakota Sioux peoples, as well as the unceded territories of the Coast Salish peoples, including the territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh nations. We acknowledge the many First Nations, Métis, and Inuit whose footsteps have marked these lands for generations. And we extend our appreciation for the opportunity to live, create, and share stories on these territories. The Ordinary Podcasting Network intends to engage in conversations and dialogue, which acknowledge that reconciliation is not a destination, but a journey, and that we remain committed to practicing our craft in a decolonized space.